Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is November the 25th, 2022, uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving. I hope that you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving, had good food to eat, a good company, perhaps friends, family. Um, it's that time of year when we get together and tough as things are, and they are tough, I know, for all too many, we still have much to be grateful for. We always need to try to find the glass to be half full, not half empty, but we also have to be realists. And that starts with dealing with facts and truth, and there's only one version of the truth, as I used to tell the bad guys uh, before we did an interview or a more formal interrogation. There is only one version of the truth. Um, we got rid of uh, one court jester this past week, something to celebrate, Dr. Fauci who basically declared that if you disagree with him, you disagree with science. And I have to tell you, and I, I'm going to talk about immigration, but that statement was stupefying. You know, um, I've mentioned it on the program before. I'll mention it again. Uh, I'm, I'm alive because um, I had a PSA test, found out I had prostate cancer over 20 years ago, had wonderful doctors, a brilliant surgeon. They saved my life. The surgeon who saved my life has been around a long time. He was an instructor, actually the chairman of the department of a major teaching hospital here in New York, and was one of the scientists who devised the PSA test. When he examined me, and when he came to that very um, nerve-wracking uh, conclusion that I was suffering from an aggressive form of prostate cancer, he said to me, Mr. Cutler, before you decide on whether or not you want me to take care of you, because I believe I can save your life, I want you to get at least another second opinion, perhaps a third second opinion, if there be such a thing. Perhaps you should just call it a third opinion. Now, understand, this is a world-class doctor and surgeon and researcher, but he said to me, I would be a lot happier if you went to another doctor to get another opinion. Wow. When you go into court, expert witnesses are likely to be found testifying in opposition to one another, even though they are credentialed experts. I've been in that situation in courtrooms. There are differences of opinion. We talk about the Big Bang Theory, about how the universe started. It's not the Big Bang fact. It's the Big Bang Theory. It's a theory. And as we learn more, we find out what we don't know. 
That's why Voltaire said that you judge a person's intelligence by the questions that he or she asks. The questions, the ability to question. Something that the current crop of lunatic leftists want to stop. How dare you question us? We are the authoritative voices. Do as you're told. Shut up and don't you dare challenge us. They are tyrants. And I just saw an article, um, I wish I could remember where it was published. AOL put it up on their website in conjunction where some sociologists said that because of the conservatives, America has never been at a greater risk of fascism. From the left? From the right, rather? Is this not a fascistic notion that the authorities tell you what the truth is and you accept it or else? The whole idea behind the First Amendment is freedom of speech, the freedom to challenge, the freedom to question. And today, uh, everyone is, uh, you know, getting twisted in their knickers over the fact that Musk now owns Twitter. And he's going to open up Twitter to people with differing viewpoints. Wow, what a frightening concept that there might be people out there that disagree, whether it's climate change, whether it's COVID. I don't care what it is. Nobody has all the answers. You know, for years we were told, don't eat eggs, they're terrible. Now we're told you can eat eggs. Then there were certain margarines that were better for you. Now we're told margarine is no good. Uh, And these are scientists doing studies. Newton's theory on gravity was replaced by Einstein's theories on relativity. You come up with new ideas, and then you develop the technology to test your ideas, whether it's medicine, physics, doesn't matter. Learning is about devising questions and then finding means of getting answers to the questions that you ask. That's how we learn. Questions are inherent in the learning process. They are inherent in how we operate and think. The first thing that you will say to somebody when you meet them, hey, Charlie, how are you? It's a question. It's a formality. And sometimes the person might tell you more than you want to know. But we operate on the principle of questioning one another. If you come in to work late, your boss might say, why are you late? He's questioning you. Why wasn't this project done? Or why did you do it this way and not that way? We question each other all the time. And now you've got the lunatics telling Americans, don't you dare question anything. And there's a good reason for them to not want you to question anything, because they know that most of their nonsense cannot withstand the scrutiny of an open debate or discussion. So what do you do when you can't convince people that you're right because you may not be? If you can't dazzle them with your brilliance, baffle them with your bullshit. That's the blunt way of saying it. And that's what they do. Shut down debate. Declare anything you say hate speech if it doesn't coincide with what they tell you is the truth. That's crazy. It's dangerous. It's it's anti-American. And it goes against the traditions and the laws of our country. It goes against the Constitution. So when Fauci has the chutzpah to stand there, and say, I am science. Thought was the hell you are. Um, we're living in a dangerous era, and we need to have the courage to stand up and challenge what we're hearing. We need to have the chutzpah, the guts, the moral fiber to stand up and say, you know what? I'm going to challenge what you're telling me. I don't believe you. Make people accountable. 
That's the job of the electorate. That's the job of the American people. How else can you have a government of the people, by the people, and for the people? And there's lots of con games being run on both sides of the political aisle. Politicians are like magicians. I've made this point before, and I'll make it again. Most Americans, if you give them fair questions and a fair opportunity, will tell you that they think we should secure the borders, not to keep everybody up because we're xenophobes, but to make sure that the people who come in don't do harm to us, that they don't have diseases, that they aren't criminals, they're not terrorists, they're not spies, and they're not going to take the jobs of Americans. And you know what? Those principles are codified in our immigration laws, the very same laws that we're now being told by the globalists in both parties, oh, these are old laws and we need to make them modern. We need to bring them into the 21st century because the Basic Immigration Act goes back to 1951. We've got to modernize our immigration laws. So I have to talk about modernizing immigration laws. What they're really saying is there's a particularly pesky element in the immigration laws that says that foreign workers should not be hired when Americans who have the qualifications are ready, willing, and able to do the job and the general geographic locality where the work is needed to be done. What they want to be able to do is tell employers, as Biden is now doing, by the way, you can fire every American that you have and bring in people from all over the world because now we're going to modernize. We're going to get the world's best and brightest to come to America. The hell with the notion that, as I like to say, where I come from, and I'm from Brooklyn, we have a term for the world's best and brightest. We call them Americans. It was Americans who landed on the moon repeatedly. No country has yet done that. It's Americans who sent space probes out of the solar system. It's Americans who did all these incredible things. And now we're being told, well, for America to lead, we need to bring in the world's best and brightest. Wow. Yes, we should be bringing in exceptional people. Elon Musk, Albert Einstein. We go down the whole list of scientists and others who've achieved greatness, who are truly exceptional. But when you bring in hundreds of thousands or perhaps millions of foreign workers and then tell me these are exceptional, no, they're not. No, they're not. By definition, exceptional means a relative handful. When you're bringing in hundreds of thousands of workers, the only thing exceptional about them is they will work for exceptionally low wages under exceptionally adverse, perhaps illegally dangerous conditions. That's what makes them exceptional. But today, the way that politics works, it's all about the money. It's all about the campaign contributions, which are nothing more than bribes. So now we're hearing, well, we've got to get rid of Mayorkas because he's not giving us security on the Mexican border. Well, I warned about Mayorkas when I wrote about him uh, back in December of 2020, just before Biden was sworn in, when he announced that he was going to take Mayorkas, the guy that ran Citizenship and Immigration Services, corruptly, I might add, and I've written about this, he actually ordered his people to get to yes, approve every application that you can. And when the FBI and Homeland Security came to him and said, you know, there's a company that's filing for these treaty investor visas, these EB-5 visas, they're hooked to Iran, we believe they are involving terrorists. You must deny the visas. He turned around and approved the visas. ABC News did an in-depth, multi-part investigation into Mayorkas, 
and how he had politicized the visa process, how he had enabled criminals and terrorists and child molesters uh, to game the system to enter the United States with lawful status. And then he wound up becoming the deputy of Homeland Security under Obama. This all happened under Obama. So we knew who this guy was. He wasn't an unknown quantity. And to their credit, the Republicans challenged his credibility, his fitness for duty because of his uh, patterns of misconduct, malfeasance, if you will. And the Democrats said, screw you, we're going to hire him anyway. And so he became the head of Homeland Security. And I predicted that under Mayorkas, we would have the Department of Homeland Surrender. And, of course, we have. And then I wrote another article where all these people coming into the United States, uh, well, there's been $100 million or more spent on a, an outfit to provide them with housing. So now we've gone from the Department, the, the Department of Homeland Surrender to the Home, Department uh, of Homeland Services um, and, and, and Hospitality Services, rather. Department of Hospitality Services was the way I had put it in my article. So there's tons of money being spent on housing illegal aliens. There's money to be made by opening up our borders. It's very clear. This is an immigration delivery system. And this has been the case for decades. George W. Bush, when he created the Department of Homeland Security, violated the Homeland Security Act. You may not know this, but he did. The whole point was that the 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, because as an immigration agent, I investigated and I've arrested terrorists. My first fraud investigation as a brand-new agent back in the 70s caused me to stumble over a terror plot in Israel. We prevented the bombing of an oil refinery. Immigration is not a minor issue. What immigration does to follow on to what the military does, think about that. The primary shared mission of all branches of the U.S. military is to keep the enemies of the United States out of the United States. Right? I don't care if it's on the high seas, if it's in the air. We have the Air Force, we have the Navy, we have the Marines, we have the Army. It's all about keeping our enemies as far away as possible. But up close and in person, guess who gets the mission? The Coast Guard, the Border Patrol, it's ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. This isn't insignificant. The 9-11 Commission, in point of fact, determined that 9-11 and other such terror attacks carried out by foreign nationals could only have been possible because of multiple failures of the immigration system. One way or the other, they entered the United States, and they were able to hide in plain sight, get driver's licenses, official identity documents, and go about their deadly preparations. The Department of Homeland Security was supposed to address the immigration failures to make certain we would not get attacked again. That is why I was called upon repeatedly to testify before congressional hearings in Washington, in both the House and Senate, mostly called by the Republicans, but Sheila Jackson Lee called me for a couple of hearings, and Democrats in some other instances were cooperatively with the Republicans to invite me to testify because they felt that my expertise would be helpful to them in figuring out how to prevent the next terrorist attack. That was back in the days when all the politicians stood in front of the cameras and thumped the podium and said, why didn't they connect the dots? How could they have missed this? Well, they missed it because we were willfully blind. Too many people are making too much money off of our open borders. The drug trade involves trillions of dollars, trillions of dollars perhaps. If you stop the drug trade, the money wouldn't be flowing. How much money would be lost to Wall Street, banking, 
real estate, high-end auto sales, high-end jewelry sales. This is about money. There's no other reason in my mind why we don't see commercials warning people to not use drugs the way they've warned us about driving without seatbelts or smoking or driving drunk. Now they have commercials in New York, believe it or not, telling people, when you get high, you probably shouldn't drive because when you're high, your mind doesn't work the same way. So have a grand old time and get as high as you want, just don't drive. Get as high as you want, and last year we lost over 100,000 to fentanyl poisoning. Really? And how many more people have died because of the violence associated with the drug trade, whether it's the gangs, whether it's the smugglers, whether it's the criminals who've become addicted to drugs and commit violent crimes to get their hands on drugs or the money to be able to purchase the drugs to feed their habits. How many people? We hear about the mass shootings, and now, tragically, here we go again. There have been more mass shootings. But you know what's not in any of the stories that should be out there? You may have missed this. But you've got Biden jumping up and down while we have a lame duck session. And by the way, isn't that remarkable? You have members of Congress who were voted out of office who still have as much authority today as the day they were sworn in. So while we still have this artificial majority because they no longer control the House, or they won't as of the new Congress, while we still have power, let's pass laws against those weapons of war. Weapons of war. Semi-automatic weapons. What's a semi-automatic weapon? Ask that of your average neighbor who knows nothing of guns, and they'll tell you they're long, scary guns. Handguns can be semi-automatic. There's two types of handguns. Semi-automatic, which means you have a magazine that feeds the bullets into the chamber, a revolver that has a cylinder that rotates to feed the bullet into into position to be fired. Magazines can be changed more rapidly. The guns generally are a bit more accurate. There's less recoil. Uh, That's not a weapon of war. It's a handgun. Police officers carry handguns that are semi-automatic. It's pretty much the standard these days. It's rare to see a cop with a revolver, what we used to call a wheel gun. The revolver had that cylinder like a wheel that would spin. That's a weapon of war. How in the world do we allow lame duck sessions of Congress? If you work for a company and you part company with the company, whether you resign, you're fired, uh, you retire, whatever the deal is, you could leave on good, good circumstances. But when they bring you in, they will say to you, hey, Charlie, I'm sorry you don't work here. We're going to give you a six-month severance package. We'll pay you, but stay home. Oh, and by the way, we've disabled your password so you don't have access to the computer any longer. We need you to hand over the keys to the bathroom and the lunchroom and all the other keys that you have. Uh, And we will have the security officer take you to your desk so you can collect your personal belongings and you will have to leave the building. They don't say to some guy, we're firing you, uh, so you've got three weeks to hang out and do damage to us. They bring the people into a conference room, they tell them they're fired, and then they are escorted one by one to their desk to make sure that, God forbid, they don't go home with the stapler with the company logo on it. Right? Standard business practice. Makes sense. So you tell politicians, well, you lost the election or you didn't run for re-election or whatever the deal is, but you can still pass laws. You still have as much authority today as you did the day you were sworn in. What intelligent sense does any of this make? 
So Biden is jumping up and down. While we still have the majority, because we know it's going away in January, let's pass laws to go after weapons of war. What's a weapon of war? A semi-automatic gun. What's a semi-automatic? It could be a handgun. God knows. And it's always the focus on the gun, not the shooter. It's remarkable because when somebody attacks people and mows them down with a car, either they're drunk or they're terrorists, motor vehicles being used as a weapon of terror these days around the world, nobody says, well, it was this brand car and it had this big an engine. No, they said that the guy behind the wheel used the vehicle as a weapon. That's right, the guy behind the wheel. We've got to get drunk drivers off the road. Have you ever heard anyone say we've got to get the cars off the road? No. We've got to get the drunk drivers. We've got to get the reckless drivers off the road. We've got to get the unlicensed drivers off the road. And when it's a gun, oh, my God, we've got to get the guns off the, road, off, off the street. Is it the guns or is it the criminal? You don't punish inanimate objects. And much as these people might want to get the guns off the street, they also want to defund the police who are charged with arresting the bad guys to go out and kill people. Does this make any sense to anybody? So here's the question that I'd like answered, and no one's been asking this question. Nobody. I haven't heard anybody address the question I'm about to address. I want you to think carefully about this. Some guy mowed down a bunch of sheriff's deputies in California, and the first question that was asked and answered was, he was not drunk. He scored a zero zero on the sobriety test. He was not drunk. Because the first thought was, was he driving under the influence of either drugs or alcohol, which caused him to mow down a bunch of sheriff's trainees who were out on a training run? First question, was he operating under the influence? Isn't that a fair question? Of course it is. If you drive drunk and you have a child in the car, uh, you've got really serious problems because in, play, in many places around the country, that's an additional felony in and of itself, driving under the influence with a child in your car. Because now you're putting that child's life at risk because we know that people who are driving under the influence of alcohol or drugs are, what's the word, impaired. Their thinking is impaired. They don't have the reflexes. They don't have the judgment. It affects their ability to safely operate a motor vehicle. In fact, if you carry a firearm in New York and you have a permit and you are found to be drunk and carrying a gun, even if you've done nothing inappropriate, you will be prosecuted or they used to, God knows, maybe not so much anymore, but you would be prosecuted because if you're carrying a firearm, you are not allowed to be drunk. You're not allowed to be high. It impairs your judgment. When I used to fly for business, I carried my firearm with me on board the airplane. As a federal agent, I was entitled to do that. I would meet with the flight crew prior to the flight so they knew who I was. Frequently, um, they would introduce me to other people who were flying armed because on a typical flight, you might have three or four law enforcement officers traveling on official business, carrying their weapons in the cabin. So if Anything happens, you, the good guys need to know who all the other good guys are, right? So there's no tragic mistakes, et cetera, et cetera. We're flying with a gun in, on, on our hip. The crew was prohibited from serving us any alcoholic beverages if we were flying armed. Because if you have booze, 
it may affect and impair your ability to operate properly, to function the way you need to. It's reasonable. Here's my question. Why don't we see toxicology reports from all of these shooting incidents? Because that might well be an element of what led to the tragedy. I'm not saying it is, but it certainly is a potential factor the way it is in a car crash or an airplane crash, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, see, the whole idea is the politicians don't want people to understand the true magnitude of the dangers that we face because drugs are flowing freely into the United States in ways we've never seen before. And you have cities and states that have legalized marijuana. They want to legalize other drugs. They want open-air shoot-em-up galleries for for drugs and heroin. And and in New York, they actually have posters posted in the subways telling people how to use illegal, dangerous, deadly drugs safely. Really? This makes sense? And you have some nitwits on TV who like to use drugs and like to joke about it, and it's not a joke. Okay? You want to do drugs? It's your life, it's your business, but when you sit in front of the camera, you have a responsibility to your audience and to the country as far as Mike Cutler is concerned. You want to be stupid enough to use drugs, have at it, okay? Stay in your house or wherever it is you you, you use that garbage. I've never even smoked pot. When I was a kid, when I had the urge to get high, I went to the airport and took flying lessons. That's how I got high. But if you are that wacky that you think that whatever your problems are can be solved with with drugs, booze, whatever, good for you. This shouldn't be a discussion on television that encourages people to think there's something normal about using cocaine or crack or heroin or, or whatever your poison of choice is. And I think we the people have the right to know when there is a shooting if the shooter was operating that gun under the influence of booze or an illegal substance. Isn't that a reasonable question? No one's asking reasonable questions anymore. We've been intimidated into shutting up. Be good little automatons and do as you're told or else. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Whatever you say, sir. I won't say a word. It's okay. Yes, you're right. And you have idiot parents taking their kids to get sex hormones and everything else so that you you ruin their lives because they're being told, oh, this is what you need to do because nobody really knows what they are when they're born, if they're born a boy or a girl, right? You have a a woman sitting on the Supreme Court who during her confirmation hearing did not have the ability to define what makes a woman a woman. Just stop and think about where we are. What alternate universe are we living in? And and for the record, I don't consider myself a conservative. I've been a lifelong Democrat, but these aren't Democrats. They are not. They're not liberal. And I keep making the point. People say, oh, those liberals. No, they're not liberal. There's nothing liberal about people who engage in the cancel culture and shut down debate and shut down discussion. Go to the dictionary after my program. A liberal is someone who accepts the notion that other people have other ideas and they have every right to express their ideas as long as to use that, uh, you know, that, that infamous, if you will, expression, you can't cry fire in a crowded theater, and you don't become an advocate for violence and that sort of thing. I think we all agree. That's, that's reasonable. But my gosh, we have every right to stand up and say, I don't believe in climate change. 
We could be wrong. It's true. We might be right. I've seen lots of scientists who are well-credentialed and very respected who do not accept climate change. You don't hear about them or from them because the media has shut them out of the discussion. This is what happens in a fascist state, in a totalitarian state. So when people say, oh, those libertards, and first of all, you're not going to win anybody over by insulting them with, with that kind of stupidity. And that's one of the things about Trump that I detested. He had a nasty way of describing everybody. We need to be more mature. We need to be adult about this. The name calling has to stop. I, I, I wish he followed the, the tradition of JFK, whose humor was just so well known. Uh, in fact, there was a book, The Kennedy Wit or The Kennedy Humor, he could diffuse a situation with his quick wit. You could certainly use humor far more effectively than to keep on this, this constant battle. I, I wish Trump knew that, because many of the things he wanted to do I thought were right. Then, of course, the name-calling starts. The Anti-Defamation League, and I was a B'nai B'rith president back in college. Those of you not familiar with the B'nai B'rith, it's a Jewish service organization. And the Anti-Defamation League is a, is a division of the B'nai B'rith. I was the president of a local chapter in my college. And my goodness gracious, now the ADL has had stuff posted on their site that I'm anti-immigrant because I want to see immigration laws enforced. And they do it all the time. It's name-calling. It's attack. You disagree with me, you are the enemy. It's hate speech. You, you go to the parent association, you disagree with the curriculum, we need to investigate you as a terrorist. Really? I was the parent association president of my daughter's public school. What's lacking is enough interaction between parents and their kids and the schools and the teachers and the curriculum. Children who are raised by family that's involved and engaged in their education generally tend to do better. This doesn't help kids. If you look at most of the people that become involved in crime and so forth, number one, don't do well in school. Number two, come from broken homes. So if the people on the left are truly concerned about the well-being of America's minorities, about people in jail, why aren't they looking at what gets people into jail in the first place? That so many people in jail are functionally illiterate, come from violent backgrounds, come from broken homes. We should be doing everything we can to encourage kids to succeed, not to import an army of foreign workers to displace them. And both parties are all in on this, by the way. And I used to get all kinds of uh, anger from folks when I would say, well, Ronald Reagan gave us the first massive amnesty. Oh, he was misled. You don't understand. No, I, I believe it was willful. I believe it was willful. I've never found evidence to the contrary. He didn't hire more agents, even though the workload went up drastically, when suddenly agents from the INS back then, Immigration and Naturalization Service, had to do investigations into employers who were alleged to be employing illegal aliens. We've never enforced the laws from within the interior. That's really what the key is to this whole immigration mess, not providing amnesty to, as Chuck Schumer said, 11 million or however many illegal aliens are out there. Of course, he didn't use the term illegal alien. He said immigrants. And I had made the point that when George W. Bush ran around saying, we've got to legalize the immigrants, I don't know if you folks remember that, we've got to legalize the immigrants, I used to go on stage with my glass of water, point to my glass of water, and say offering to make immigrants legal is like offering to make water wet. Water is already wet, and the immigrants are legal. 
he's talking about legalizing illegal aliens. And today I was listening to Fox News, and the reporter used the term migrant maybe a dozen times, maybe two dozen times, in a story about who's coming across the southern border. All these migrants, we were chasing the migrants. There were migrant encounters. Do you folks know that there are Americans who are migrants? These are workers who move from farm to farm during harvesting and planting seasons, and they call them migrants. They migrate from farm to farm, and they're American citizens. They are as American as you or I. So why are we using the term migrants to describe aliens? It's all part of the Orwellian newspeak that began under Jimmy Carter's nonsense when he said that immigration employees can no longer use the term illegal aliens to describe illegal aliens. And I got so angry, I said, you know what, from now on I'm going to call them free citizens. Words matter. This is a public relations campaign being waged against America by corrupt politicians who give the redundancy. So now, what do we have? We have the Republicans demanding Mayorkas's resignation or impeachment because he refuses to secure the southern border. They're right about the southern border, but is that the scope of the problem? Is that it? If we made the southern border airtight, would the immigration crisis be over? Let me ask you a question. When you get in your car to go on a trip, whether you're going to work, you're going to visit friends, you're going out to dinner, it's the holiday season, you get in the car, you turn on the radio, and what do the news programs generally have every 10 or 15 minutes? Traffic reports, weather reports. Well, we know why the weather reports. Why a traffic report? The traffic report is so that if you don't have a GPS in your car, you can tell which is the best road to take to get around an accident, to get around construction, to get around some kind of an obstruction in the road. You know, in New York, if I want to go from Brooklyn into Manhattan, you can take the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, the Midtown Tunnel. We have bridges, the the Brooklyn Bridge, the Manhattan Bridge, the Williamsburg Bridge, the Triborough Bridge, the 59th Street Bridge, which is now called the Edward Koch Bridge. We have bridges and we have tunnels and we have all different ways of going. So you turn on the radio and they say there's a crash in the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, which is now the UL Carry Tunnel. We have to name it after politicians. God help us all. So you say, okay, I'll take the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, the Brooklyn Bridge has an accident. All right, I'll take the Manhattan Bridge. Why do we do that? To get around the traffic to make the journey quicker and less stressful, right? So we listen to the traffic report. Think about the traffic report. And think about the nonsense that we heard from the politicians on both sides of the aisle. When Bob Goodlatte was the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, and and Judiciary is one of the committees that oversees immigration, he said, we need to gain operational control over the high traffic areas of the southern border. And once we do that, then we can give legal status to all these illegal aliens. And then the debate between the Republicans and the Democrats wasn't about whether we should give lawful status to illegal aliens. Oh, no. It was whether we should give them a path to citizenship or not. Not surprisingly, the Democrats said, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, We have to give them a path to citizenship. Of course, if they figured they would probably vote for the Democrat candidate. And the Republicans didn't want them voting for the Democrats, said, no, 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 they don't need citizenship, just legal status so they can work here and bring their families here. So it comes down to the votes. And it comes down to flooding America with more people who spend more money and undercut the wages of the American worker. And they need housing, so that jacks up the price of housing. And when the price of housing goes up, the banks make more money because the mortgages are bigger. 
This is supply and demand. This is the immigration delivery system. And if you bring aliens to the United States, guess what? They're going to need lawyers to help them file the paperwork. So this provides lawyers with an unlimited supply of clientele, right? But what was so remarkable was that you had this big debate that was not really a debate, should we give them a pass to citizenship or not? And when Goodlatte and the others said, we need to gain control over the high-traffic areas, I want you to think about the stupidity of this, the chutzpah, the high-traffic, what's a high-traffic area? So let's say we identify a high-traffic area by whatever metric you want to use. So you flood that area with Border Patrol to do what purpose? To gain control over the high-traffic areas. Well, what do you think the smugglers are doing, folks? They do the same thing you do when you turn on the radio, and they say, do not take the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. So they take a bridge. So they hear, aha. In Eagle Pass, Texas, the Border Patrol is surging, so they go 38 miles down the road to a place where there is no Border Patrol, then they easily cross the border. So when you can tell me that your goal is to gain operational control over high traffic areas, my answer to you is you must have brown eyes because you're full of all that brown stuff known as fertilizer. What do you think of that? Either you gain control over the border or you don't. And why in the world are we limiting this to the Mexican border? There was a report in July about a massive fentanyl smuggling operation that was pouring tons of fentanyl into the United States across the Canadian border. Last week I spoke about three Border Patrol agents being shot and one dying in a shootout with smugglers. Where was this? Not the Mexican border. Not even the Canadian border, but off the coast of Puerto Rico. It was the Marine Division of the Border Patrol. I go back to what I keep saying. We are a nation that has borders that extend more than 100,000 miles. When you look at the 95,000 miles of coastline, the Canadian border, the southern border, and then we have international airports and you have unauthorized landing strips, there is no shortage of ways of coming into the United States of America. But all we're being told is we've got to get control over that Mexican border. Well, we do, but why are we leaving out the other ways that people can enter the United States? And what most people seem to have forgotten, because we have attention spans shorter than goldfish, prior to Biden opening up the border under the Bush, under the uh, Trump administration, it was estimated that nearly half of all illegal aliens did not run either borders, the northern or southern or the seaports, they were coming in through international airports and disappearing. The 9-11 Commission made the point that most of the terrorists come in through international airports. We're not talking about that anymore. The fact that Mayorkas made a statement that they would no longer hunt down aliens who lied on applications for U.S. citizenship, no one's talking about that. Most of the terrorists who come to the United States sought U.S. citizenship because once you become a U.S. citizen, you get a U.S. passport. You could then use your passports from your original country with the U.S. passport, alternate passports, and cover your tracks as you travel around the world. And, in fact, I made a particular point about that in one of the hearings where I testified because when an alien becomes a United States citizen, he or she has an immediate automatic right to change their name for no extra charge 
when they're sworn in. And it makes sense, I guess. You know, you're restarting your life. You're now an American. So you want to be known by a name that sounds more American, whatever that means. And I knew many people. I'm Jewish. So many of the people I knew had parents and family members who were killed in the Holocaust or in concentration camps. And, and, and so they feared anti-Semitism, which is still a problem, by the way, unfortunately, tragically, outrageously. So they said, gee, I don't want a name that sounds Jewish. It got me into trouble in Poland. I want a name that's like Smith or Jones, that nobody knows who I am or what I am. Okay. So they can change their name. Their U.S. passport only reflects their new name. So now they have two names they can travel with. Their original name that was on their passports from their country of birth and their U.S. passport that now reflects their new name but does not show their old original name. So we're allowing potential terrorists and criminals to put themselves in their own witness protection program. And I raised that issue at a congressional hearing, and I made the suggestion that perhaps they change their name, that's fine, but their U.S. passport should reflect both names, both names, so that we know who they are, and the countries they enter know who they are also, because this endangers other countries as well. This is an unauthorized, if you will, witness protection program with no way of knowing who's who and what's what. It's dangerous. It never happened. So we still allow people to change their name. The passport only reflects their new name, and we're off to the races. And Mallorca says that if you lie to get citizenship, we won't take any action against you. Why are we not hearing anything about that from the Republicans? If they're going to do an inquiry into all the things that Mayorkas has done, which has been damaging to America, national security, public safety, and, and jobs and wages of Americans, shouldn't that be an issue? Shouldn't it be an issue that Mayorkas has clearly stated that if you hire illegal aliens, this administration will take no action against you as long as you treat the people you hire decently? That's not what the law says. Prior to the Second World War, the immigration laws were the primary responsibility of the Labor Department protecting jobs and wages of Americans. But what we hear from the conservative side, the business side, is we don't want people coming here to get welfare. We want them to come here to work. Of course they do. Because if they can fire Americans and displace them with cheaper foreign workers, they can fatten their bottom line. But meanwhile, we're destroying the economy and we're destroying opportunities for Americans and we're killing the middle class. That was all about the American dream. So what's really needed is interior enforcement. And interior enforcement isn't only arresting illegal aliens. Let me give you a quick overview of what constitutes interior enforcement because I spent 26 years of my 30-year career with the INS as an INS special agent. The fraud unit is critical. Now, understand, the Border Patrol doesn't do anything about fraud unless they find somebody with a fake ID. And then they're going to probably turn it over to the Investigations Division of ICE anyway. All that the Border Patrol does is interdiction. Stop people and cargo being smuggled into the United States between ports of entry, which is why we needed the border wall. By the way, the Republicans, when they controlled both houses, absolutely positively refused to give Donald Trump the money to build the border wall. So please don't tell me, well, thank God we've got Republicans in charge of the House now. Really? I mean, the same ones that wouldn't fund the border wall? Really? I was born on a Wednesday, not last Wednesday. So all the Border Patrol does, and it's an important mission, I'm not trying to minimize it, 
but it's interdiction, period, full stop. That's it. Yeah, they may go on to a farm or a ranch near the border and see who's working there and that sort of thing. Okay, that's cool. They do not do fraud investigations, okay? They do not generally have people assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. Uh, I spent 10 years there. They don't have people assigned to the Joint Terrorism Task Force or the Violent Gang. That's all done by ICE. So ICE agents are supposed to find illegal aliens. ICE agents are supposed to go after criminal aliens who are deported and come back illegally so they can be prosecuted, although the Biden administration said they won't do that. I worked with Senator Al D'Amato back in the 80s, unofficially, not as an agent, but as an American citizen who had specific insight because of my professional uh, work as an agent. And with the assistance of 30 of my colleagues, and unbeknownst to me, the assistance of Walter Connery, who at the time was the head of investigations in New York. He was a retired New York City cop. He was a deputy inspector, worked at Turtle Affairs, was involved with the Knapp Commission that sought to weed out corruption, became the head of Internal Affairs for Immigration in New York, in Washington, rather, got into arguments with management because they didn't like that he was so tough on them, apparently, so they gave him a choice. Either resign or we'll let you become the head of investigations in New York because you're a New Yorker, you can go to New York. So he did, and the guy was really sharp, had a law degree, became a mentor to me. I had tremendous respect for Walt. Uh, tragically, he died a few years ago. So Walter, unbeknownst to me, and my work unbeknownst to him, approached Senator D'Amato back in the 80s with a legislative initiative to change the law that said that aliens who have criminal histories and get deported and come back should be looking not at two years in jail, which had been the max up until then, with no consideration given to criminal history, such criminals should face up to 20 years in jail. And we got the law passed. And under the presidency of Donald Trump, that was the most frequently prosecuted felony that was pursued by the Justice Department across the country. Aliens who were deported, they had criminal histories, they were murderers and rapists and arsonists and drug dealers and gun runners for the Democrats that are so psyched about going after firearms. And that became the law. And because of that, the U.S. attorneys were happy to prosecute the cases because you could put together a reentry case in a day or two. I know I did many of them. I mean, it's a very easy case to put together. You don't need, you know, hundreds of hours of surveillance and wiretap. And no, you have an alien. He was deported. He's back. You get the executed warrant of deportation. You match the fingerprint that's on the warrant with the guy that you've got in custody. You query the computer database to make certain that he made no application to get authorization to return to the United States, which is almost impossible to get under all but most under almost all circumstances. But you, you get that certification, and you go to the grand jury, and you get the guy indicted, and you take him into custody, and you prosecute him. In a day or two, you can get all of that done, and the penalty is up to 20 years in jail. Wow, slam dunk, easy cost-effective, gets the bad guys off the street. And then we have immigration agents assigned to the Drug Task Force or the Joint Terrorism Task Force. And what's their mission? They look at other laws that perhaps the alien that's involved with terrorism or drug trafficking may have violated. So you could take that person off the street without tipping their, your hat or your hand so that they know that the FBI or DEA or whomever is looking at them for major drug trafficking, terrorism, or whatever – so you can pick people off, you can flip informants that way to get them to become cooperators. It's super effective, and that was part of what I did 
for the 10 years that I was with the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force, using my unique authority as an immigration agent to prosecute drug traffickers, gangbangers, and a couple of instances, terrorists, using immigration authority to get the bad guys off the street and disrupt the criminal organizations they're involved with or the terrorist organizations that they're involved in. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Why in the world wouldn't you want to do that? Leverage your authority to get dangerous people off the street to save lives. Schumer said we need to have all these people legalized because the birth rates are low and America's population isn't growing. Well, maybe if we weren't having so many people killed by drugs and criminals, um, and, you know, we can go into the abortion issue, but we don't even need to. We're losing God knows how many hundreds of thousands of people a year just to crime and drugs. And where's Chuck Schumer on all that? But this is why we need comprehensive immigration reform. No, we don't. No, we don't. And one has nothing to do with the other. Once we secure the border, then we can give everybody legal status. Why is that? What resources do we have at Citizenship and Immigration Services? If you want to legalize millions of people, folks, there will be no interviews. There's no capacity. You're talking millions of people. Millions. No field investigation. So some guy says, I came in five years ago. How do you disprove it? And I can tell you, because I worked as an adjudicator for a year. I did all these jobs. So I know up close and in person how it works. I'm going to deny an application for an immigration benefit. I have to have concrete evidence to dispute what that person put on the application for that immigration benefit. If I don't have evidence that the person lied, I don't have anything. There's not enough agents to go out and do field investigations. So where are you going to get the evidence? And I can tell you that as an adjudicator, when they tell you we've got a backlog to clear up, that means you have to approve almost everything that lands on your desk. Because you can approve an application in maybe 20 minutes, but it will take you days or weeks to even try to deny an application. So if you're awash in millions and millions and millions of applications and they tell you clear the backlog, you're going to be approving everyone's application. And if you look at what the 9-11 Commission warned about, it was all about immigration fraud. How immigration fraud posed a threat. And by the way, we're not doing well vetting the people that we let in from Afghanistan. I've been writing about this for Front Page Magazine. And it was recently disclosed in a Washington Times article that the FBI has requested millions of dollars of emergency funding to hunt down the Afghanis that we let in and weren't properly vetted. And then I did an article, my most recent article for Front Page was November 7th of this month, former DOD, Department of Defense contract translator, arrested for alleged ties to ISIS. And all that the Justice Department is charging him with is lying on his application for his security clearance, not with providing material support to a terrorist organization, which if you read the reports in the newspapers, that's what he was doing. And the Justice Department didn't even issue a press release. And no one seemed to focus on the fact that if you have a translator who's working closely with a terrorist organization, he now knows the identity of informants and agents. He could lie during the interview because he's your eyes, ears, and mouth. So you could ask a question, and you would have no way of knowing that the answer the guy you're questioning, the answer he gave, isn't the answer that the translator said he gave which could facilitate the entry of more terrorists into the United States, which is apparently what this guy was trying to do. So we're going to take this broken system 
But once we get the border under, under control, then we can legalize everyone. And Schumer said 11 million or however many. Yeah. Well, universities such as Princeton and MIT and others have estimated, this was in 2018 before Biden took office, that back then we had over 22 million. I think it was probably 30 million or more back then. And now God only knows. And we don't know what's coming across the northern border. We don't know how many aliens are being admitted through ports of entry that should not be getting admitted, but that under Mayorkas, the orders are admit everybody, just like he said, approve every petition. I'd like to know what the visa refusal rates are around the world. I'd like to know how many people are turned around at ports of entry. Those statistics are available. You deny someone entry into the United States, there's a record. Congress should be looking at those numbers because it doesn't matter if they run the Mexican border or the Canadian border or they stow away on a ship or they come into the airport with a fake name on a passport. They're here. They're here. And once they're here, they pose a threat to national security, public safety, public health, and the jobs and wages of Americans. That's what the immigration laws are about. So you have immigration agents, ICE agents, who is supposed to go after criminal aliens, work on these joint terrorism and joint drug task forces and gang task forces. They're supposed to look for illegal aliens. They're supposed to go after employers who knowingly hire illegal aliens. They go after people engaged in massive fraud conspiracies, including attorneys, justices of the peace, notaries, and so forth, people that crank out fake documents. I did all those cases as an immigration agent. And we have all of 6,000 ICE agents, because that's how Bush put DHS together. And most of the time, they're not even doing immigration, because they have other agencies involved. They're going after customs law violations, intellectual property theft, money laundering. The list goes on. So effectively, we have maybe 2,000 ICE agents for the entire United States of America. TSA, a couple of years ago, had 45,000. The military has a couple of million. New York City has about 35,000 cops just for New York City. And ICE effectively has 2,000 ICE agents for the entire United States. When you hear from this administration saying that all the Republicans are doing is criticizing Mayorkas, let them have a plan. Here's my plan. Interior enforcement, interior enforcement, interior enforcement. Because any alien who is determined to enter the United States will ultimately do it. When I did one of my very first hearings, I made the point that the immigration system is very much like a balloon. If you squeeze a balloon at one end, it's going to bulge somewhere else. If you tighten up the Mexican border, people are going to come in along the coastline. They'll go to Canada. I don't know if you folks remember the TV series, Miami Vice, very entertaining. All the drugs back then in the 70s and 80s from Colombia basically were flowing into southern Florida. That's how they built up all of the real estate. And there was so much crime and violence, there's a video that you might want to watch a documentary called The Cocaine Cowboys. And what the Reagan administration did was to use the Coast Guard and our Navy to interdict the speedboats coming up from, from Colombia and unload their drugs into Florida. So they started intercepting the boats and going after the Colombian cartels. So what did the cartels do? Well, it's like the traffic report. They said, gee whiz. They're stopping our boats. Let's move the drugs through Mexico. That's why the drugs are now flowing in through Mexico. But they're also flowing in through international airports. They're flowing in through seaports. They're coming in through the Canadian border. 
and all that we're hearing on the news, Mexican border, Mexican border, Mexican border. Either we secure America so that anybody who comes here illegally does not get to go to sleep confident that they won't be discovered, or we're going to fail. And failure, to borrow a quote from Gene Krantz, mission, a flight director for, for uh, the space program way back when, failure is not an option. We need to take our immigration laws seriously. Another point that I made at one of my very early hearings is that you get one opportunity for first impression. This administration, coupled with people like Schumer and the others, have basically fired the starter's pistol for aspiring illegal aliens from all over the world. One of my most plagiarized statements was that nobody would break into the amusement park if they couldn't get to go on the rides. Sanctuary cities guarantee that they get to go on the rides. And then the promise of an amnesty eventually encourages unlimited numbers of people from all over the world to head for the United States border and overwhelm our resources. This has to stop. This is about national security. People are dying every day because of these failures. And I don't see anybody from either party lifting a finger to stop the carnage. And if you can't make the citizens of your country safe, then what is the point to your government at all? I don't care what kind of fancy clothing a parent buys his or her kids. If they don't provide a safe and wholesome environment for the children, those parents may well lose custody of their children. Our government is failing abysmally to keep Americans safe. And yes, the Democrats have done things that I didn't think anybody would would have the, the guts to do or the abject lack of morality to do, but we're seeing it. So if the Republicans really want to shine, and if they really want to focus on the elections coming in two years, here is their golden one-time opportunity. Get serious about immigration enforcement. And let's be clear, it is not anti-immigrant to enforce the immigration laws because almost always the most likely victims of transnational criminals, and I don't care where they come from, because human nature is human nature, and it doesn't matter what your skin color, your race, or your religion is. We all bleed red when we are cut. We're all human, and we all have the same, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, but it's the victims of the transnational gangs that are the members of the immigrant communities themselves. There is nothing anti-immigrant about enforcing immigration laws that are designed to protect national security, public safety, public health, and the jobs and wages of Americans. This should be an easy sell, but it's going to take morality and a little bit of moral fortitude, a little chutzpah, on the part of our politicians to stand up and do the right thing and for once do what's in the best interest of America and Americans and not what their bribers, their political campaign contributors are now demanding of them. That's what their responsibility is. The Constitution promises the states protection from invasion and against domestic violence. America is witnessing an invasion, folks, but it's not limited to the Mexican border. We need to be clear about it, and we need to let the politicians know that we're not fools, that we understand the magnitude of this risk and the cost that it is inflicting upon us, and it's not just a monetary cost, but it's human life, the lives and futures of American children.
from coast to coast and border to border. I hope you'll have these conversations with your neighbors this weekend and every weekend. Stay safe. Remember, democracy is not a spectator sport. We'll see you again next week right here on the Microsoft Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.